All right, so we're getting ready here with the fellowship here. So in light of the series of fellowships that we've been having uh, regarding the term Israel, Judah, Jew, and Gentile, essentially, uh, that we've been uh, going over for a number of probably at least maybe the last four to six fellowships. Um, I had some, even though we pretty much closed it up, uh, we also, I had indicated that a good way to do this would be to maybe close it up with the entire book of John and actually go through it. And uh, it would give us a, a way, I believe, to communicate with others who have always been of the understanding and the belief that Israel went out of existence, either no longer existed, or that the Israel of old uh, did not exist in the time of Christ, uh, or the Israel of old did not hear his voice, and therefore uh, he went to the Gentiles, meaning non-Jewish nations of peoples. And as we have really conclusively proven that that any one of those thoughts, those preconceived notions, beliefs, and ideas are no longer have any validity whatsoever, and they have been foisted upon us, quite frankly, by enemies of Christ, because Christ said that, you know, if you do not hear my words, if you do not hear Moses' words, then you're not his people, and you cannot get to the Father unless you acknowledge and understand that he came to have that sacrifice, that final conclusive sacrifice for the death that was due Israel for her transgressions. So as I got to thinking this last week, we still can go into the book of John and go through those scriptures and I didn't want to belabor the uh, message series anymore if, if it was not believed that uh, it was going to be worthwhile or additionally beneficial. But I did receive uh, a couple of emails, and of course Isaac had commented last week regarding things that we had gone over just in the last two weeks as being uh, a pretty nice button on the deal and on the fellowships and, and the subject matter. So there are a number of things that kind of uh, came to my mind and probably what did it mostly as I was thumbing through one of my other workbooks that I make notes and stuff when I'm studying and reading from time to time. And I began to think about the issue of the enemy. And this is what Christ was dealing with in his day. And I think the Christians of today seem to be of the opinion in many respects or the preconceived belief and notion that essentially we don't have enemies anymore or that there are not enemies of Christ or that 
somehow we look at enemies differently because Christ said to love your enemies. And that's a scripture probably in and of itself that we should do a more detailed study on and expound out from there and see if if Christ actually um, uh, promoted a new doctrine in in that specific scripture that's recorded. But for the meantime here tonight, quickly, as I thought we'd try to make it a short one, there's a number of scriptures that I, I thought about with regards to the enemies. And the first one is uh, uh, Psalms 64. Uh, it says, Hear my, force, my voice, O God, in my prayer. Psalm 64, 1. Hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Preserve my life from the fear of the enemy. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. I want us to think on that for a little bit because he didn't ask God to preserve his life from the enemy, but rather to preserve his life from the fear of the enemy. And the... uh, um, yeah, I don't know if it's recording either, Jeremiah. It just uh, it it just seems to say that it's. Uh, uh, so I've Can got you to stop it and it. then start it up again and see if it does anything different? Yeah, I'll stop. Because it tells me that it's preparing to record, but it hasn't started. Yeah, that's what I saw too. Um. I didn't say I wanted to end the call. And if we get dumped, we're going to have to all reconnect. My screen says end the call when I hit stop recording, and I don't want to. Um, So I'll see what it does. And um, end or exit the conference, preparing to record. I'm of the opinion that it's probably going to dump the call if I do it. Um, yeah, it probably will. Don't do that. Uh, you don't have a button to stop the recording? Well, the button to stop the recording is grayed out, so it's not doing anything. So I can't do oh, anything so can't except, except dump the call. Uh, and... Well, there's probably just a bug going on with their thing that says it's... Recording may take up to a few minutes to start. Please wait. So right, I don't know. Maybe it. it'll eventually start. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the basis that whatever's going on, it's gonna it's gonna get it. Um, the only other thing that I have for an option, obviously, is to is to uh, just stop stop when I. Uh, when I go to the X, it gives me end the call. All participants will be disconnected to keep it running. You can exit the call yourself. Um, so it does allow me to exit the call but not end it. But I don't really know how it can do that if I'm if I'm the connected host. So if it doesn't record, it doesn't record. I can put it up again as a recording and go over it, I guess, uh, I can't work sure, the technical yeah. on that end for them. But the, the thing I wanted to center in on, on Psalm 64, verse 1, is to preserve my life from the fear of the enemy. 
from the fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity. And what David, I'll go on with verse 3, who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words. So um, what we see that David was fearful of was the words. And they wet their tongue like a sword. Well, what do we do when we sharpen a knife or we sharpen a sword? We use what's called a whetstone. And so in the same sense, they wet their tongue to prepare as to sharpen their tongue to be as a sword. And what we are seeing here in America, uh, we know the power of the media. We know those that continue to, you know, seek, quote, unquote, political correctness and, and that kind of thing. And what they're really doing is they are causing fear of God's people, uh, striking fear, if you will, in God's people's hearts. And this was something that David was contending with himself. And, and pleaded to God in prayer to preserve his life from fear of the enemy. In other words, David did not even want to fear the enemy that cut with a knife or cut with a sword with their words. And that's exactly what we've got going on. We have the invasion coming from the south. And what is their intention to do? To cut us with those words that essentially portray anyone who seeks lawfulness instead of lawlessness, they seek to present us as those who um, are somehow uncaring, unloving, uh, inconsiderate, uh, racist, uh, you know, all the words and the terminologies that they use. So as we think about the whole story of Israel in, in the Bible, and as we think about those who God specifically set apart and made a covenant with so that they could be a beacon to the world, so that they could be a light to the entire world, uh, the light of righteousness, that they would be commissioned with the obligations to go into the entire world as messengers and servants to carry forth righteousness in the creation as opposed to unlawfulness and unrighteousness. So I began to think about that as, as a way of trying to put this maybe as part of this, this whole series and study because we are now at that point and have always been since the beginning of time, we are at a point where what God's desire and will is on this creation of his is, for the most part, very seldom being fully carried out. It is only by the righteousness of those who seek to abide after his will and to do the will of the Father that any of it gets carried out at all. So I thought, you know, really probably before we just continue to 
you know, pound away at that, maybe it's time for us to take some time to look at, at the enemy's aspect. When, when David and, uh, confronted Goliath and Goliath was confronting Israel, uh, Goliath, you know, basically had stopped the armies of Israel with words. Goliath, you know, was certainly a, a very large soldier in excess of probably 10, uh, somewhere on the order of 10 to 11 feet, according to the, uh, the height uh, indication given in the scriptural record. And this would have been a, a formidable uh, individual for one to go up against in battle, uh, on one-on-one battle. And, of course, that's what Goliath had challenged. But I thought it would be interesting for us to kind of think about the enemies and the, and the way they use the words and how David himself was seeking God's assistance that he would not fear uh, the enemy. Uh, fear of the enemy. So every time we choose to try to set somebody straight, I heard that, hold on a second. Every time we choose to try to set someone straight in an understanding about Israel, Judah, Jew, and Gentile, you see, then we start getting the words that want to cut us and treat us uh, and and wish to, to silence us. So that's why I believe this part of it may be more important for us to spend some time on, to keep our heads and our minds focused on that. Go ahead, Russell. Oh, I thought I heard Russell. I guess I didn't hear him. Um, All right. So then let's flip over to Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah 9, we're going to be looking at verses 3 through about 12, I believe. I'll begin at 3. And they bend their tongues like their bow for lies, but they are not valiant for the truth upon the earth. For they proceed from evil to evil, and they know not me, says the Lord. Take heed every one of his neighbor, and trust you not in any brother, for every brother will utterly supplant, and every neighbor will walk with slanderers. And they will deceive every one his neighbor, and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies, and weary themselves to commit iniquity. Thine habitation is in the midst of deceit, though deceit they re- uh, through deceit they refuse to know me, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will melt them and try them, for how shall I do for how shall I do for the daughter of my people? Their tongue is an arrow shot out. It speaks deceit. One speaks peaceably to his neighbor with his mouth, but in the heart he lays his weight. Shall I not visit them for these things, says the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this, for the mountains Will I take up a weeping and wailing for the habitations of the wilderness is a lamentation because they are burned up so that none can pass through them. Neither can men hear the voice of the cattle, both the fowl of the heavens and the beasts of the field. They are gone. And I will make Jerusalem heaps and a den of dragons 
and I will make the cities of Judah desolate without an inhabitant. So once again, in Jeremiah here in chapter 9, we see what God is saying about those that he views as wicked, deceitful, liars, scorners, speaking with their tongue, lying words, deceiving everyone. And who was it that was there at that time? It was this Esau Edomite that was sitting in the seat of Moses, as Christ said, and was inhabiting the high place in uh, Israel's mind, if you will, about what God's command and order was. But all the while, they were teaching them lies and they were teaching them untruthfulness about God's word. Psalms 5, uh, flip you over to there real quick. There's a number of scriptures here between Psalms, a couple in Job that I was going to go over also. And we're going to go to Psalms 5, verses 9 and 10. And hear how the psalmist once again, and many attribute the psalms to David. So uh, when I say David, I don't, um, I don't. Uh, uh, it is it is the the primary understanding of the biblical scholars is that these were likely uh, poems and songs of of David. So, psalms five verses nine and ten. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions. For they have rebelled against thee. Once again, David recognizes how they use the tongue to bring all manner of deceitfulness and unrighteousness against, and that they are indeed against God. And he says, let them fall by their counsels, cast them out into the multitude of their transgression. And because he recognizes, and this is why God had such a love for David, is because, as the scripture says, David's heart was after God. And he could recognize how they they were indeed rebelling against God. And the enemies of Christ, it's high time for us to recognize that these enemies of Christ, they seek to wipe out the vestiges of the word of God from the people who are trying to carry out the will of God and to abide in his word. And in America, we're no exception. That's what we're finding. We're finding that they so seek it and so desire that even any mention of Christianity and the Christian foundations of this American republic are so scorned is because they despise that. They cannot have the word of God promoted because if the word of God is promoted, it will defeat them, which is why they have to use their tongue for lies and deceit. So then I had a a note to myself for Matthew 23 where Christ is basically speaking to them 
And I'll flip over there to Matthew 23. This is the, the many woes in Matthew 23, but in 27 and 8 specifically, verses 27 and 8, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Think about that for a minute, because I don't know that we often do think about that. What what happens? You think of all of the military burial. uh, They are whitened tombs. They They are, you know, very whited sepulchres. But when you think about it, what's there? What's there is dead men's bones. And um, in 28, he says, Even so, you are also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Um, this, is, this is, you know, we can read these scriptures, but we somehow seem to have a hard time believing that it's actually applicable, that it's actually applicable to today. And the fact of the matter is, it absolutely is. Nothing has changed from the advent of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection in terms of how life was going to continue to go on. The question is whether the people of God are going to continue to believe the lies and are going to be afraid of those who speak the lies. And what we're seeing in America is some semblance of an understanding that these have been lies. And they seek to lie about anybody who even remotely uh, has the possibility of suggesting a return to Christianity uh, as a principal foundation in, in, this, in this country again. Um, Psalms 12, then. Yeah, go ahead, Russell. Yeah. I would like to read 75. Break. You'd like to read what? You broke up a little bit? Psalm 75. I would like to read it if we find a place. Are you ready? Well, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it now. Well, I didn't mean to butt in, but it's applicable. Oh, that's fine. Applicable. It, it, it may very well be, okay. and I, I'm sure that... We yeah, give I'm there to thee, oh God. We give thanks. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me, Doug? Okay. Yes. For thy name is near. Men declare thy wondrous works. When I select an appointed time, it is I who will judge with iniquity. The earth and all who dwell in it melt. It is I who have firmly set its pillars. I said to the boastful, do not boast. And to the wicked, do not lift up the horn. Do not lift up your horn on high. Do not speak with insolent pride. For not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the desert comes exaltation, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. For a cup is in the hand of the Lord, and the wine foams. It is well mixed, and he pours out of this. Surely all the wicked of the earth must 
strain and drink down its dregs. And uh, that's important little sentence there. For me, I will declare it forever. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob, and all the horns of the wicked will be cut off. But the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. Okay, thanks for letting me read that. Well, yeah, and and there again, uh, what was it? In which uh, verse he said they speak? Um, and that's what I'm talking about is uh, how the enemies of God they speak and. In their speaking, they speak unrighteousness. I wanted to, you think about all the people that will sometimes say, well, I know there's, there's what they call Messianic Jews or Jews for Jesus or, you know, and so there are Jews that have, have recognized Christ and they have turned to them. But, you know, if you analyze their writings and if you listen to the way they speak, they most of the time, if not all of the time, number one, they still profess their Judaism. That should be our first red flag. Secondly, they often continue to profess that you should not speak against those who call themselves Jews. So those two primary and prominent things are, are, are still uh, in, on the lips of those who claim to be converted Jews, uh, at least many today, and they continue to speak the lies. And so if one listens carefully, and I would suggest, however, that they don't spend a lot of time around those kind of people, because you cannot profess Judaism and profess Christ. There is only one way to God, and that is through Christ. And even acknowledging that that is the way does not necessarily make them followers. So again, their words are deceitful. Their ways are not correct ways in that they speak lies or falsehoods, still leading people to believe that the Jews, as they know and call themselves Jews, are still the people of God, and they are not. And so, in essence, they continue to promote the lie that is causing harm to the body of Christ carrying out the will of God and the will of Christ to abide in the Father's uh, commands. So, uh, you know, very, very much. I mean, this Psalms uh, 75 is is certainly no different, and he's the righteous judge. Now, I was going to flip to Psalms uh, 12, so let's just do that quickly then, because once again, we see how David is conveying his understanding. Uh, we'll start with uh, verses 1 and go through 6. That may be all there is in this one. No, there's a, little, yeah, a few more verses there. Uh, help, Lord, help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things. Who have said with our tongue, we will we prevail. 
our lips are our own, who is Lord over us. Um, let's see. I have to flip there. Uh, for the oppression of the poor, for the sighing, uh, sighing of the needy, now will I arise, says the Lord, I will set him in safety from him that puffeth. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. So once again, you know, do we believe the words of the liar, or do we believe the words of the Lord? And the word of the Lord said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. So if we follow him, we seek to do his will. And, you know, all the ways in which they purport to be, you know, so godly and standing at their wailing wall and wailing and doing all manner of, um, Jeremiah, you can take care of that, um, and all manner of additional things that they, they profess with their mouth but are doing contrary to the, to the word of the Lord and the commands of the Lord, it's just as he said, you hypocrites, you know, you, you, you know, you are like white and sepulchers. You know, you look beautiful on the outside and everybody looks to you and, and says, look at them. And yet inside you're full of dead men's bones. You're responsible for the death of many, many people. And um, now, uh, 